Welcome to the Scamp Life Podcast. I'm Kurt. And I'm Chris. And today, our special guest host is Woo. Mara. And Mara, we're going to have you just kind of introduce yourself. Tell people who you are, where you are, all that good stuff. Hi, everybody. I am Mara Kate, Assistant Director of Camp Erewhon, which was started by my great-grandmother Lillian Cates in 1934. So I'm the fourth generation, along with my brother, to be working here. And I'm joining you today from Algonquin Park, Ontario, where we just trekked in nine kilometers of unplowed road. Um, and I'm very grateful for chainsaws and four-wheel drive. So you are all, you're, you're, wow. you've got your heavy vest on. Is it pretty cold out there? I think it's only about negative two, which is warm for this time of year here. <laughs> Wait, it's Celsius. That's Celsius, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's different then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's it like in Illinois? I don't know. It's, it's Illinois. So it sucks is what it is. It's like 40 something. It's so funny because here, I mean, it's beautiful in central Florida. Uh, but it is cold, what we consider cold. It's like 59. No. Uh, but yeah. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how you how y'all handle it. There's no such cold. thing as bad weather, just bad clothing, I've learned. Oh, <laughs> right. I there like you that. go. Chris, what are we talking about for this episode? Uh, we are talking. So the, the title is I Don't Like It Camper Version. Um, but it's essentially things campers complain about. And so we did last Tuesday, we did the things parents complain about and how we can fix it. And so this week we're kind of talking about, okay, what are campers complaining about? And maybe is there a way to fix it? Do we have any great ideas or just they're going to complain? We can't fix it. We're stuck with it. So that's kind of it. Awesome. Awesome. So we're going to kind of go round robin here and we'll each uh, take a turn. And Mara, since you're our guest host, let's start with you. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, I just wanted to preface this whole conversation by telling you about a session my mom, who's our director now, does with all of the counselors at the beginning of um, staff training, which is about setting boundaries with kids. So the analogy she gives is, she says, if I were to put a blindfold on you, walk you somewhere where you have no idea where you are, and just stick you in a room, what would be your first instant and people think about it for a second and then they realize they'd put their arms up in front of them and walk slowly until they found a wall and then they'd feel with their hands all around to find out where the walls are and at that point they would feel a little more secure in their surroundings because they would know what the space was that they were dealing with and that analogy really resonates with me and seems to with staff as well because when people in general especially young people don't know where the boundaries are they feel um, unsure and unsafe. And young people don't always like the boundaries we give them, but our experience is that at least when they know where they are, they feel a little more safe and contained. And then the second thing I wanted to say was that particularly in the overnight setting, there's a lot of stuff that we need to do with kids that is just inherently not as much fun as playing games. Like you have mm -hmm. to get up in the morning, brush your teeth, go to bed, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> right. and in my experience, no matter what those things are and how you ask them, of course, there are better and worse ways to ask, the better relationship you have with kids going in, the more likely they're going to be to buy into those unpleasant things that you ask them to do. That's true. Great points. Great points. Yeah. 
Thank you. So do you, do you want me to jump in with my first um, thing that kids hate? I would love yeah. it. Awesome. I'm going to start off with um, mandatory canoe trips. Oh, mm -hmm. not something I'm it's familiar mandatory. with. Uh, the mandatory. The mandatory is where you get. We only have two mandatory activities at Erewhon. Otherwise, the kids choose their own. And we the two things we make them do are swimming lessons, which I didn't put on my list because I think it's pretty self-explanatory about the safety uh -huh. and the importance of knowing how to swim. But mandatory canoe trips is something that a lot of people would choose not to do if we did if we gave them the opportunity. Our camp is pretty comfortable. There's a lot of fun stuff to do there. So a lot of people don't like leaving the fun aspects of camp. And also a lot of people who didn't grow up in summer camp or canoe tripping just don't get it. They're like, well, why would I choose to put myself in a situation where I'm physically uncomfortable, I'm away from my support networks, I'm eating weird food, although I would agree that anything taste, cooked over a campfire tastes better. Oh, yes, totally. <laughs> I've tried to make the same recipes I make on trip at home and it just doesn't. <laughs> Some about the fire. Yeah. Good. And yet when kids come back from trip and when I read the post-camp surveys, I, a huge percentage of their favorite memories from camp mm. come from what happened on canoe trip. So that's the reason mm -hmm. why I picked this um, as my first topic is because I thought, where's the disconnect between this? Why is it? So what the canoe trip explain a little bit as somebody who did not go to camp that had canoes, explain how that works. Um, well, canoe tripping is like the iconic Canadian wilderness experience. Um, but basically it's where you pack up all the gear you need for however many days you're going for the, depending on the age of the kids at Erewhon, it's between three and six days is the mandatory. And then they have the option to go for, um, seven, nine, 11, 14 days. Wow. Yeah. So you pack up all your clothes, uh, your food, your tents, everything you need, and you put it into canoes canoe for a while until you get to a place where the water stops then you put it all on your backs or your heads and you do what's called a portage to get across to the next body of water it's the worst slash the best you feel so accomplished at the end <laughs> right right oh that's so cool yeah all right chris what's on your list right off the bat at least here cell phones um we hear a lot especially <laughs> it's getting younger and younger which is weird um, but the older kids, they would complain like, oh, I'm going to lose. I, I'm going to sound like an old person here for a second, but oh, I'm going to lose my, my Instagram story streak or my snap streak or these things I don't understand at all. And, <laughs> um, and they'd be like, oh, we need, I need my phone to keep that up. But it's getting younger and younger. And we're having problems even now. Parents are helping kids sneak it in. Yeah. I can't tell you how many kids that I will uh, take a phone from them. And the parent will be mad at me. I'm like, there, there's no phones allowed at camp. Like, this is crazy. Um, you know, what's funny is that I did, I, we did a lot of check-in calls with our campers and staff this summer because we weren't able to run camp just to see how they were doing. Um, and I asked people what they missed the most about camp, obviously. And I was shocked that so many of them, even like 11, 12, 13 year olds said, I miss the screen free haven. I'm on my phone mm -hmm. or my computer all the time. And similar to canoe trips, they would never, ever choose that if we gave them the choice. But yep. looking back on it, they really did see the benefit of it. Yeah. Yeah. I can Definitely. imagine. 
All right. The first one I have is hiking or oh, walking. You know, I complain about that. Complain all the time. Uh, oh. Wait, are we talking about kids or my husband? Yeah, I really right. complain about that. You know, one of the things that I had definitely implemented into my programs was just making hiking more fun. And I think that's something that just playing games, getting their mind off of something. I, I guess if you're walking to a place, taking their minds off. If you're hiking as the activity, there's a lot of things you can do. Mm -hmm. Like, let's stop, let's look over here. Let's make fairy houses there and then we'll continue on. Or, you know, yep. you can even set things into the woods. And I know one camp that puts wooden animals, right? So it looks like there's an owl in the tree or, <laughs> you know, there's something right behind the a squirrel let's wait here and see if it moves <laughs> right but it's always there and so there's the competition or the challenge of finding each of them as you go along and there's a lot of little different things like that that i don't think a lot of camps do they just kind of let's walk i had one counselor who was uh, very creative and he would be like do you hear that <laughs> it's a dinosaur everybody hide and this worked really well with the younger kids and so they all hide and you just, you know, go with their imagination. You're like, there it goes, there it goes. Oh, look how big it is. Okay, let's go. Be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Ninja, there's a ninja over there. All right, everybody hide. <laughs> and so just having fun with them uh, really helps until they get a little older and they can appreciate just being out in nature and um, everything yeah. that goes along with that. So that's mine. Yeah, my the lowest I've ever stooped in trying to get kids involved in hiking. I had just like, such a reluctant cabin of teenage girls and I told them I was taking them on an edible wilds hike and just groans all around so I had ran ran the trail ahead not too far ahead because I didn't want animals to get the stuff and I like threw packets of candy all over in the woods <laughs> and they're like we've never liked hiking so much <laughs> that's awesome do you guys that's know funny. the game camouflage no. Oh, that's my favorite one to play in hiking. You can do it anywhere in the woods. I guess you could do it in an urban area too, but uh, one person like stands and closes their eyes and counts to whatever, and everybody else goes and hides and they have to be in a spot where they can see the person who's mm -hmm. counting and the, and then the person opens their eyes and has to um, see how many people they can see. And then they close their eyes again and count again and everybody has to move closer to the person. And then mm -hmm. the idea is see how close you can get without being viewed by them. Yeah. That's I a great played that game. I don't think it was called that. I can't remember what I called it, but I, I remember playing that game once. I like that. That's a fun one. Yeah. It's a good one. All right, Mara, you're up. Okay. Next on my list, I'm going to um, go, go deep for this one, which is supervision, particularly with the older kids. Mm -hmm. um, feeling like we supervise them too much with regards mm -hmm. to unsupervised co-ed social time. Mm -hmm. And I've had uh, probably two or three out of all the thousands of parents I've talked to over the years say stuff like, I grew up at camp and I had my first hookup experience and my first boyfriend <laughs> slash girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And that's what camp is all about, all these formative experiences. And I don't like that you're like not allowing my kids to have that freedom. Wow. Yeah. And from staff and campers, it comes all the time. Why don't you trust us? Blah, blah, blah. And the staff especially do have some good points about normalizing interactions between 
different genders and that the more we try to keep them apart, the more they're going to feel like it's taboo and not know how to interact with each other and it's going to be awkward. So we're constantly trying to find a balance between that. And as summer camp professionals, we are in a bit of a challenging situation because we're in loco parentis. So we're, we're responsible for, mm-hmm. for people's kids, but it's also not our place to impose our values on yeah. them, which generally in the summer camp world tend to be fairly liberal. So we can't assume that the that parents will share or appreciate those values. So we have to be yeah. a little careful. But I guess what I wanted to say about this was that generally kids want more freedom. And are the reason why we try to limit their freedom in this regard is because a lot of the time they they feel pressured to do things and act in ways that they may feel badly about later. And our hope is that by making it a little more challenging, we will avoid some of this pressure. And the caveat is that we make sure to combine this with talking to them about those issues. So we do a lot of what's called girls and boys circles, where we talk about the pressures that they feel to engage in certain ways with members of the opposite sex. And we also try to facilitate a lot of more structured, non-sexually charged opportunities for cross-gender interaction. So we do our activities co-ed and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. You were saying, you know, the the kids are like, don't you trust us? I'm like, no, no, I don't trust you. (laughs) Heck no. (laughs) Cause I was a high schooler too. (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) From experience. I like that. Good, good one. All right, Chris. My next one. And so this is something we had complained about a lot, but AC in the cabins. And I am totally with the children. (laughs) I am hot. I sweat. I'm fat. So that's part of it. Um, But I love my AC and we kids would complain about it all the time and a totally acceptable and I'm with them. There is that part of camp like, oh, you're at camp. You need to kind of experience. In fact, our chapel area here at camp was always air conditioned. And so by the end of the week, the kids would be like, it's so cold in here because they'd gotten used to being warm. But we put AC in the girls' cabins a couple years ago, and now they complain about being too cold. And I'm like, oh my goodness, pick something. You know, and the boys still don't have AC. They're in tree houses. They can't really get it. But they're like, shut up. You don't get to talk about how cold you are. <laughs> you know? And so I, I think it's just the, they like to complain about whatever their comfort level and it's too hot. It's too cold. It's whatever. It gives them something to complain about. Kind of like we as adults complain about the weather because it gives us a, a talking point. And so we kind of got to the spot of, okay, instead of worrying about them complaining about it, they got something to complain about and it wasn't anything bad. It wasn't like they're complaining that, you know, we do this awful thing or this happened or what they're just complaining about the air conditioning and the weather. Let them complain. They, they need something. I think that's human nature is to kind of whine or complain about something. So that's such a good point. I totally agree. When I was uh, first directing camp, I used to really stress out about the stuff that people complained about and not being able Mm -hmm. to make everyone happy. And um, a consulting social worker we had said, you're wasting your time. Humans are always Mm going to complain. They kind of like it, kind of like young kids like to push limits and try to break the rules and get caught. There's something inherently satisfying about it. Yeah, yeah. That's good. One. My next one is particular activities. Like nobody likes every, or you, you're not going to please no. everyone. Right. So mm-hmm. you've got the return camper. That's like, we got archery. I've done archery two years. Uh, so boring. Or, Oh, we're doing crafts. I don't want to do that. 
Uh, so do they have a word for that at your camp? No, do they have a word for that? At oh your yeah. Camp? They call it the shaft. I got the shaft activity. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. We yeah. tried to ban it, but that word, but it just went underground. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, my thing is now I know Mara with your camp, you've got a couple of mandatory activities, then everything's mm-hmm. free choice. Whereas I think a lot of camps and, uh, Still, you know, there are the, the camps that have free choice, but there are the camps that you as a cabin are going to go around to the different activities. And then there's another free choice time, maybe in the afternoon kind of thing. Uh-huh. My thing is, especially with, you know, I've heard so much with archery because archery is the same thing. You go there, you shoot at, uh, you know, a target and it can be a boring, especially if you're waiting for yeah. others to, to get through. You know, Chris and I have, we, we have whole episodes on spicing up activities, make it different, whether that's we balloons can, yeah. or whether that's a different target or uh, there's all kinds of things you can do to spice up every activity. Uh, if you have that kind of format where they all go around. And I like that, you know, a lot of, I've talked to uh, directors who said, we're all about free choice and they should have the choices of what they want to do. My thing is, and I guess the best way to, uh, to explain this is that I had a counselor who she went to camp and she didn't want to do the rock climbing, right? She was fearful of heights. It just didn't interest her. And if it were her choice, if she just had choices, she never would have done it. But as a camper, she had to go the rock climbing. Now, you know, when she was working for me, she was in college and she was a competitive rock climber mm-hmm. and she, it changed her life literally. And she loved it, but she never would have done it if it weren't for camp, if it weren't for, this was just part of the rotation. And so I'm a big proponent of, you know, yeah. campers trying everything out and then you can choose to, you know, expand on it if you want and, and take the time to learn more skills or up your skill level. So that's mine. Did your archery program not rise in popularity after the Hunger Games? Oh, well, after the Hunger Games. Yeah, it was Hunger Games, Hawkeye from uh, the Avengers. Avengers, And there was one other. Yeah, those three things kind of combined. Then archery was, you know, the most I I had a meme. I had like a little thing and said, the most popular person at your camp this summer is going to be your archery instructor. Totally. We yeah. used to have that problem with archery, but we haven't since then. Um, <laughs> I'll jump in here and just comment because that was actually one of mine as well. So we recently, maybe five years ago, started for the youngest kids making the first period of each day um, a mandatory travel with your cabin. So you have to try out all of our core activities for exactly that reason, because parents cool. would say, you know, my kid came home and hadn't gone sailing all summer. And that's really added, I think, to our programming, because especially when they're young and new at camp, they don't know what they like until they've tried everything. Exactly. No, it's good to hear. Awesome. And then the other piece I wanted to add about that is that, yes, we're free choice, but we have like limitations to how many kids we can take at each activity. So it's like put up your hand and sign up and they don't always get their first choice. And I think there's something really powerful for kids about not always getting their first choice because it teaches flexibility and resilience. Yeah, no, I agree. All right. My next one is chores. Yes. I had that too. I was like, should I? Love it. Um, Yeah. Speaking of things that you have to make kids do that aren't fun. So what we, what we, I mean, obviously there's like the cabin cleanup. I will admit that we, 
we teach staff that we do not use bribery for um, behavior management at camp, but the one thing we do is for cabin cleanup. Um, we have like a cabin cleanup competition yep, and once yep. they, that's how they earn their candy tech. But there's also a lot of daily stuff like our dining hall. I don't understand how much dust and sand gets in it after every single meal. So it needs to be oh, swept yes. after every single meal. Now the management team sweeps after breakfast because we have a sick playlist and we do a way <laughs> better job than any other cabin. <laughs> and it's important to role model that we're participating in this too. But after lunch and after dinner, we have cabin of the day and they sweep mm -hmm. the dining hall. Yep. The cabins take turns coming in early and setting the tables in the dining hall. And obviously they clear their own tables and stuff like that. And I mean, I think, uh, it's self-explanatory for for parents to make kids participate at home because they mm -hmm. need to be contributing members of the household. But I think that kids really take more responsibility for their environment and feel more at home because they're more invested in it when we expect them to contribute to it. And also there's the concept of appreciating. Like we, even still, we struggle with this divide between support staff and program and counseling staff and the campers don't appreciate how freaking mm -hmm. hard the dishwashers work <laughs> yep. and the maintenance yep. folks like who are unclogging their toilets and doing their dishes in the hundred degree dish pit. And I'm actually working on implementing more of that. Like some camps do leader and training rotations on all the different support things. And I think it's so important for kids to know, especially because I don't know the particularities of your camp, but Many camps cost a lot of money and you get very privileged kids who come in and what a great opportunity to teach them about these are all the actual resources that go into making your lives comfortable. Our very first week of the summer, we have a rental group come in. So before campers get there or anything, um, and I require all of my senior staff, all my counselors, the, the CIT leaders, all of them, they come in and they have to work that week as CITs. They have to do all the sweeping and the dishes and all that junk. And it, it helps because the rest of the summer, they appreciate those CITs doing all that grunt labor and all that stuff that they had to do that because they realize how hard it is. It's not just playing and having fun when really a lot of the counselors get to play and have fun most days and they're not doing the dishes. They're not doing all that stuff. And so, yeah, the having that kind of rotating them around so they can see, oh yeah, this job isn't all cake and, and pie. I don't, that's not the phrase. But I, <laughs> Marshmallows and chocolate chips. There you go. <laughs> I've worked um, for YMCA uh, camp that had kids who came from wealthy families and I've uh, worked at boys and girls club camps and uh -huh they all have that same sense of entitlement no matter what. But I will say the first camp that I ever worked at, it was during outdoor ed. So it was all sixth graders and cabins took, uh, took turns being just like what you were saying, Mara, where they clean after a meal. So they uh, take all the dishes back. They wash the dishes, which they liked putting them in and putting them in the big, you know, dishwasher and everything else. Uh, and they swept, you know, one of them swept, they wiped down the tables and everything else. And I think that was really good for them. Uh, of course, it was always the counselor going, oh, it's our turn. Okay, let's herd the cats and let's get them all. <laughs> yep. Okay, you two do this, you two do that. But, it's true. Hey, uh, the kids don't mind it as much. It's more the staff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, true. another episode you have to do. I don't like it staff version. <laughs> yeah, right. Ooh, that, <laughs> yeah. That's at least a two episode. <laughs> yeah, maybe five. Can I ask you guys a question though about the chores staff? 
this is a two-part question. One of them is about, they're both about how to create a culture change. If you're in a camp that doesn't do a lot of that, how do you add it in? Because my experience is that young people especially are just allergic to any sort of change. Mm -hmm. So the two barriers I've come up against when trying to implement more of that is, number one, the support staff saying, oh, it'll make my job so much harder to have to supervise these people to do this. It's easier for me to just do it on my own. And number two is getting the buy-in of the staff um, because I can be passionate about something until I'm blue in the face but unless the counselors are going to support me on, on this mission-driven thing, it's going to flop. Something I've learned, especially with current generation of staff, is they are all about the inspiration, inspiring how can I be that change in the campers. And so that's part of a lot of my training when I talk about this, like, hey, you're going to be doing this or you're going to be doing this not fun thing but you are teaching campers that it's okay to do this. You're teaching these little children that, yeah, they should go home and help with chores and they should do these kind of things. And so to help them kind of learn that, and that gives the staff more of a buy-in because like, oh, I'm an inspiration to these campers. You know, I get to go and teach them how to be a better human and be a better person in society. And so that's part of this current generation. The other thing that has always worked, at least for years, it's making it a competition. Mm-hmm. And when you make it some kind of, I, and it's still, I mean, my wife and I, the, she knows, she knows if it's a competition, I will do it. She, she'll be like, I can do more dishes than you. I'm like, bet me, let's go. <laughs> you know, And like all of a sudden she got me to do all the dishes or something. And so having that competition really kind of helps get that more fun aspect out of it. Mm-hmm. But it is, I, you're teaching, I think the kids and the staff to just be like, Hey, chores are part of life and that's just what you do. And so let's, let's do them. Let's be the, a better human and, and do our chores and not complain about not whine about it and just, you know, get it done. Yeah, I know. I totally agree with both those points. Um, I will say that when I I like to have chore charts and Mm -hmm. in the cabins and okay, you're signed this and we rotate, but also have do the same thing with the cabin inspections we don't give candy out, but we have the golden dustpan mm-hmm. um, or the golden plunger or whatever your camp has. And you get recognized at lunch for being that. Um, but it's, it's that competition thing where the counselors will usually get into it as well. And it's not only, hey, we need to make sure everything's clean. We may need to make sure that, like the, the bunks look good. Your uh, sleeping bag is laid out. Uh, what else can we do? Once we're done with all that, now we go into the extras. So do we set up that two t- uh, teddy bears are having a tea party or do we take a bunch of rocks and make a little welcome sign mm-hmm. out right outside the cabin? And what can we do? And, and let's come up with something. And the third part of that is that, uh, and I learned this from somebody else and I thought it was brilliant, is that the cabin inspector goes in and not only, you know, cause a lot of times it's like, oh, they did this extra thing. I'm going to mark on the sheet. Okay. They got all this, they got all that. They get an 86 or whatever, but it's a very simple, you go in, you see that everything. Okay. This is check, check, mm-hmm. check. Not that, oh, there was one that was out. So they get a nine out of 10 for this, yeah. but check, check, check. They've done it. Maybe they did a bonus thing. It was really cute. I'll leave a little note for them. Thank you. That was awesome. But you can have multiple winners for that day. 
instead of one, because you have this cabin that put in all this work, did everything you asked, everything was great, but they still didn't win because, you know, it wasn't, you know, there's something a little off or that inspector kind of favors somebody or wants to give somebody a little extra, Hey, good job kind of thing. So you're going to be the winner or rotate the winners, but that there's multiple winners as long as they met all these requirements. And so they get points for their team or they, or they get a little candy or something like that, that it's not just one winner. And so that's really helped. And the staff are also like, Oh, that's nice because we put in all this work and I still didn't win. And I'm trying to do this thing. Mm-hmm. But when there's multiple winners, as long as we checked off all the boxes, we're good. Yeah. The pros and cons of a little healthy competition. Yeah. yeah there definitely our... are pros and cons for yeah. sure. I feel like I'm learning a lot about parenting through this conversation. Yeah. Too. <laughs> right. And something else just came to me, which was that the, probably the most powerful thing I ever did for answering my own question, getting people to appreciate the behind the scenes work is um, our evening activity we did during pre-camp. We did it just with the staff, but I suppose you could involve campers too. We made groups that involved a couple members from each area of camp. So a couple counselors, a couple instructors, trippers, kitchen staff, medical staff, maintenance staff, et cetera. And we had them go around and ask each other questions about their job. So what's, what's the hardest part of your job? What's the best part mm. of your job? And what are some assumptions you have about these jobs so they could get a better understanding of the other's experience? So you don't have that old curmudgeon maintenance guy that we sure like, do. I'm He's... not doing that. Oh yeah. He did not participate. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's just a requirement every of every camp. camp. Yep, yeah. I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to we... be that guy. We, we used to do um, LIT shadow day for the 16 year olds, but they just had too much fun riding around on the back of the uh-huh. ATV and didn't actually appreciate what the job involved. Totally. Totally. Well, awesome. Mara, thank you so much. I think that kind of ends yeah. our episode. Thanks for being here. This I hope was it wasn't so too bad. Good, good. It was so much less scary than I thought it would be. <laughs> That's good to hear. We try. We try. Uh, sorry about Chris. Um, I had to. <laughs> So if, if anyone is like, Oh, I really like her ideas. I want to reach out to her. What's the best way to do that? Totally. Um, I'm a old fashioned email girl. So Mara, M A R A at camp C A M P A R O W H O N.com. Easy, easy peasy. Awesome. Anything else, Chris? No, next week. Is the new year. Yay! But yeah, so next week we will be talking about stolen ideas. And we're going to have another guest host on with us and talking about ideas we've stolen from other places in camp. So that'll be exciting. <laughs> you and your steal. I love to steal. <laughs> Copying is a sign of admiration, you guys. There That's you right. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Mar, thanks so much for being on. Thank you, guys. From around the campfire, this is Kurt and Chris. Thanks for listening. See ya. Thank you.